Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 118 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, I welcome Neely Brush onto the program. Neely is a name that you've probably been seeing pop up in an array of places lately. She is an accomplished solo shredder on her own, but has also been a part of Death Clock, Danny Elfman's Elf Band, Cirque du Soleil's Michael Jackson One Show. Over the Halloween weekend, she was a part of a pair of shows with Danny Elfman's Elf Band. I actually flew down for the Friday show, and I'm still high from it. Uh, so we talk a lot about playing with that band, playing those shows, shows with Danny in general, what playing the shows could do for her own material, and we also discuss her time in Death Clock during a time when Adult Swim was fucking with fans, her upcoming solo material that she's been working on, uh, her dog, which is very important, and a lot more. So before we get my chat with Neely, here are some of Insects from Danny Elfman's Big Mess, which is an Oingo Boingo song he reworked with Neely playing on guitar. So I know we don't have too much time and I've got a lot of things I'd like to ask you about, but uh, the first question actually is coming into play exactly right now. A hard hitting issue. Please tell me about your dogs. So my dog is Micah and he likes to hang out with me if I'm not making noise in here. So this is like, if I'm conversing with someone else or something, it's like, that's his time to ask for pets. Um, but you know, obviously that's the, the hardest thing about leaving and, um, I, I always feel super guilty about it, but I tell myself that it's uh, way better than not having adopted at all, right? Like yeah. still, so, but yeah, he's amazing. And I've had him for almost two years and he's very much like a pandemic dog and he's still learning to like people. Oh, you got one of those. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah. A few months back, I saw a minute work and Colin Hay, I guess tours with his dog. Is that not um, something you consider? I mean, I think he'd be a little bit different. I mean, at least where he's at right now, I don't think it's possible and it's got to be the right tour or whatever. I've tried to take him to certain places and sometimes it's just if there's another dog that he doesn't get along with and automatically like the whole thing is over. So it's a... I, and I knew, you know, I took that into consideration when I, when I was like, I'm going to get a big dog. <laughs> you know? I was like, maybe I should rethink that, but I just, uh, I just couldn't help it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so coming to the music stuff, of course, um, just real quick, I want to touch on this. I read that you were in your brother's band for a tour. Uh, was there a musical sibling, sibling rivalry growing up between you two, as far as musicianship? Not not really because um ethan's definitely like my older brother and there's we're nine years apart so when when i was a kid he was like a fully grown adult you know and so it it wasn't really we were never really in the same phase of life and uh i just always looked up to him and he taught me a lot and um you know here we are i guess cool. and one of the years that we are in i'm good at this uh was that <laughs> I first became aware of you when you were with uh, Death Clock, when you did a couple shows uh -huh. with Brennan and the guys. Uh, how did that come to be? I'm assuming Brennan just reached out because, I don't know, Death Clock's a, 
whole institution and Metalocalypse and all that. How do you get involved in that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I we had a lot of friends in common over the years. We knew each other, um, you know, in L.A. And I, you know, we always kind of like stayed in touch, but it was never something that I ever considered would be a thing uh, ever. And so he definitely surprised me with that. So it, it wasn't like I, I didn't know him or it was the first time we were connecting. It was just like not something that I'd ever considered. Um, and I was just always a, a fan, you know, just a, a big fan of everything that he was uh, that he was doing, especially having gone to Berkeley and everything. It's like you pretty much kind of <laughs> like, you know, I started Berkeley in 2006. So it was like every, you couldn't be a metal kid and not like be watching that. Sure. So. Yeah, I've talked to a couple other Berkeley folk and, you know, I like to, oh, you like, do you know the dream theater people? Do you know this person? But right. it's funny that you, <laughs> turns out you do. I mean, and, and, and the fact that I did, it has nothing to do with Berkeley. That's the funny thing, you know, it was just, but, but yeah, it, it is, uh, the more you kind of like meet new circles and the more it reminds you how many people really go there because it's like, oh yeah, I went there. You know, it's just like, it, it, and I'm starting to like, just kind of feel old having that conversation with people now. I'm like, oh shit. And so. how, and how were those shows when you were playing with the band in the craziest time for the fandom ever? Cause I know like Adult Swim was kind of dicking around fans with like, if they bring it back in some degree, I know Gene was pissed about it. He was on my show and he was talking about how they, you know, were putting requests for the show into a, directly into a shredder and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. then you go out, you play shows, the crowds are crazier, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I don't know what to compare it to other than the death clock shows that I had gone to in the, uh, you know, like 2009 era or whatever. Um, and I always thought that the fans were crazy. And I, I was sure that I was like prepared for that on the other side when I, when I played with them the first time. And I was just like, totally not prepared for what those fans were like. I was like, holy shit. Like I'd never seen anything like it. I still think it's like, at least like comparable for the best audience like anywhere you know like they go so fucking crazy to know every lyric of every song and it's not like th those are easy to hear you know what I mean like you got to really go digging for every word if you want to know every word so um you know uh it's again I have nothing to compare it to but all I know is that they're they're certainly crazy and hungry for the movie and like whatever might be going on in the future and so I think you're, you might be right like giving them a taste of that every once in a while definitely seems to like be keeping people on their toes and being part of the live band are you now an in for the movie yourself i don't really know anything about it um i i don't i don't think it like necessarily crosses over i'm just like excited like you you know cool yeah so i want to come to the more present stuff because uh, a couple weeks back weekends back you play the hollywood bowl with danny elfman who I uh, became like, I sounds crazy. Yeah. I like not, <laughs> not necessarily that you did, but just like the whole thing. Cause I went the Friday, Friday night, I flew down from I'm, mm. I'm the greater Sacramento area. And it was one of those things where after the Coachella shows, I felt like I couldn't not go. Mm. I streamed those and then I flew down. So how, how did you first come in contact with Danny for, you know, big mess stuff, the live stuff and all this. So it's, it's a, funny story and it actually does kind of go back to Berkeley also but um so some uh, a composer who went to Berkeley with my brother uh, named Mikkel Hurwitz uh he's friends with uh Danny's studio manager Melissa and they were kind of like potentially looking for 
adding another guitar player to this new band that they were putting together for Coachella 2020. So this is like January 2020 uh, that we're talking about. And Melissa had given me a, a call. I didn't know who she was or anything. And, you know, and she, she literally kind of like left the, the voicemail of like, hey, you know, I'm calling from uh, Danny Elfman's studio and we have this show that we, you know, may want you to come play guitar for, and you know, whatever. And I, I had my jaw was on the floor and all the things, you know, like I never expected to get a random call anywhere like that. And, um, you know, they, they were concerned about my living in Vegas, which is which is like completely understandable, you know, because everybody else is local to L.A. And I had just moved back to Vegas and I just kind of knew that I had to, to prove I mean, aside from the fact that I had to prove myself and all that. But I was just like, OK, I'm going to show them that uh, that I, it doesn't matter that I can like be there in four hours if they need me and, you know, all that kind of thing. And so that's that's kind of how the whole thing started, including the audition and and. Uh, and when the audition was over, Danny said to me that he didn't think that I would show up because I live in Vegas and he didn't think that like I'd follow through on it or something. And I'm just like, no, come on. I told you. I'd, what do you mean? Like, you know, so it was just like our funny moment together. But I, I at least on a personal level, I, I always felt like from the first moment that like we got along so great and it just it always felt like super welcoming and, and homey. And I just couldn't couldn't be luckier with that and um after you know doing a kind of a part two audition with the rest of the band and everything we got basically a rehearsal and a half before everything shut down in in march 2020 so my story up to that point was was very short it was like as soon as i had walked in the whole thing kind of wrapped up and uh and, and i knew that it probably wasn't over but it was definitely one of those moments where i was just like oh shit <laughs> like that that went as quickly as it came um <laughs> And so Danny is just so wonderful in that he was intent on turning this into something still and, and quickly saying like, okay, like, you know, I'm writing stuff, like maybe we'll make a record, you know, whatever. And he was started keeping in touch and sending us the stuff as he was writing it. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, when can you guys come here one at a time in, in isolation and across the room to record this thing? uh which we did in like the height of the pandemic and so we we just i think it, it was like holding out hope that that we could do something with this and thankfully that's been the case i'm very 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 happy to like tell that tale now you know and there's like another side to it uh versus when it was like very difficult to know anything and uh like i was saying danny is one of these people who's kind of and well, I said this about you, but Danny's one of those people that's sort of in everybody's circle, whether they're aware of it or not, whether it be Oingo Boingo or musical scores or his own stuff. Um, sure. What was your Danny Elfman thing prior to joining him? My big one was was Nightmare, um, Simpsons, obviously, um, but I was always a big Nightmare Before Christmas fan. And I obviously knew of him from everything else, too. But that to me was like the the musical pinnacle of like oh my god like how does anybody write this you know like even a genius like him i was just like the fact that that music exists is like from the gods you know i think it's like a gift <laughs> to the universe um but yeah so that that was that was my thing but you know over the pandemic i definitely like took a, a deep dive into into everything else just to study up on it myself and just kind of understanding more of his writing style and and how those things interject even if they're in different genres and everything is like the real study you know 
Um, my big thing, like you've already touched on, is the Simpsons theme. So I have to ask, what was it like taking on such an iconic minute and a half of music when you become the star of the the like really 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 parts? It's well, the, okay. So that part was not planned. I was not trying to like be that shredder. <laughs> like, I, if anything, I was like really trying to uh, to do the opposite thing, where I was just like, I'm gonna stay back on this, you know, um, because it because the part in the middle where we all kind of rock out was built into the arrangement from the very beginning, and so like we were rehearsing that in in 2020, and it was a different version. It was basically like, I mean, we hadn't gotten very far, obviously, so who knows what it would have turned into, but. Um, but it was very much just kind of like we come in on those eight bars in the middle and we and we rock out and then we let the orchestra do do their thing. And then um, and then gradually Danny was just basically like, oh, you know, you guys can like kind of like jump in here and there if you guys want to like pick up on some of the lines or whatever, or double it. And, and, you know, and I was just like, OK, you know, and 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 he hinted at it a couple more times after that, because I, I guess I was again, being, trying to be conservative and, and not like overstep anybody. Uh, so I was not planning for it to end up what it did, but I got to tell you, you know, like I've played a lot of notes and it's definitely a lot more challenging when the rest of the show is not very, it's not a technical guitar show for me, especially not considering or, or like not compared to a lot of the other stuff that I've played. Um, and so to go from like zero to a hundred with, with, rests in the middle and just like flourishes of like really fast lines I'm like oh it's like it's uh it's definitely the thing in the set that I'm just like I love it but um how can you not it's like such a it's everybody under the sun knows that music and and like the responsibility of like god damn <laughs> I can't believe we're here like okay I, that's I, I it's one of those things where I, like I have to like put blinders on and like not think about what it means and just like like not almost not give it the weight that it deserves because otherwise I think I'd freak out and I just have to like pretend it's not that big of a deal or something I mean it's the song I've heard more than any other song in my life and uh, I mean right I tears like, my hear it live so I know it's 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 I, like I said you know I, I still they tell me it happened but I still don't believe it so so if, uh, if the internet's to lead me to believe something, it is that you and I are the same age. So as a metalhead of a certain mm -hmm. age, I have to ask, how what was Wes Borland like? Because I was a early aughts Limp Biscuit kid, and when he was announced at the Coachella show, I was surprised. And mm. like, I mean, no offense to Limp Biscuit, but he doesn't really get to do a lot of stuff that he was doing at the Bull shows and mm -hmm. stuff. So how is he just as a person? I, I love Wes. Wes is like one of the best people I've ever met. And like we bonded from the first moment. And, you know, again, in 2020, it was like a, a different band with, with Robin Fink originally. And then he couldn't do the Coachella shows because he was out with Nine Inch Nails. And so he was the one who got the, you know, recommended Wes and, and had the idea of like, no, you guys like this is this is the guy. And it made a lot of sense to me because I think you're correct about the the biscuit thing in a lot of uh in a lot of angles but like it's still the colors that he like brought to that band and all the personality that he brought to that band i'm like i can see the 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 line from here to here you know like it makes a lot of sense especially since i'm not the person in that band that's mostly doing like the weird sounds and the colors and the textures and stuff you know what i mean like he's so well versed in that and he has so many like cool ideas and sounds and it like it, it fills it out in a way that i couldn't provide you know and so it's very 
it's like a, I think it's like a, a perfect kind of mix of two really different guitar players. Because again, if you think back to 2020, they weren't thinking they were even going to have two guitar players. And so if it wasn't such a different, like collaborative thing between the two of us, maybe it wouldn't have worked or it wouldn't have served the music to to have two guitar players if we weren't so, so different. I've seen Nine Inch Nails a number of times, I think every time with Robin and he is one of the most dynamic guitarists I've seen, but I, Absolutely. You know, I, I can't imagine him in that spot because I saw Nine Inch Nails in September and he was on like uh, a xylophone. He was on a ukulele mm -hmm. or not ukulele, something else, all these other things. And what I, Wes seems like the guy on the other side of the stage from you. Because uh, just, you know, Robin's so intense too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it would have been great either way. Like, obviously it was a different, it was a different band and it was, it was awesome. But again, it's like that we got like a rehearsal in before the whole thing shut down. Who knows what that would have turned into? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I mean, Robin left a lot of his impressions on Big Mess. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of Robin in there that, um, that really did like kind of solidify the sound and, and where we took it from there. Um, you made a post about how performing in time with Danny was really important to you because you did some vocals on it. Uh, do you think between the feedback and your own excitement about doing the song that you could see more of your solo material having vocals now? Because uh, the albums I skimmed were all instrumental, which is rad, but like, does this open a door for you? That's that's a good question. Uh, I think it might, you know. Um, I definitely was, again, it was another thing I wasn't really like expecting to to be doing or really like you said like enjoying as much as I ended up uh but I think it's a possibility you know I I feel like when I, I I always write from like a vocal standpoint even if it's not a vocal tune and um sometimes that kind of has disappointed me in the past where I was like oh this really would have worked better as like a vocal thing but I'm not gonna sing on it or you know what I mean like Am I going to hire, like, you know, if I want, like, harmonies or whatever? And so, yeah, it, it does kind of make me think. Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to, like, entirely change what I do in any way. But but I think I think there's a there's some room for for new things. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so coming back to the bowl thing, just for I mean, I could ask you a million things about this bowl thing, but um, <laughs> OK. How was like putting the sets together with Danny? Did he just have heck a list and you guys all learned it? Or was there like, hey, what Boingo songs do you want to do? Or what scores of mine do you think would be cool? It was it was more of the latter. It's it's always a matter of uh, how much stuff can we fit in and like the allotted time and what do we absolutely have to cut? How much of I mean, you saw at Coachella. Uh, how many Boingo songs in very, very short versions like we managed to like pull in there, you know what I mean? And so it was kind of a similar attitude where it's like, let's get as much of this as, as we can, but we have more time. And so both times it was it was like, what do you cut? Um, and I know that he was struggling with that. Like he put out a post to his fans. I don't know if you saw where it's like, you guys, would you rather hear Insanity or would you rather hear Ain't This The Life? And I just, man, I knew that the comments were like going to go down the middle. And I was like, let's see what this looks like. I started reading and I was like, yeah, this is not going to help. Nope. <laughs> like, I, I could just like see him like sitting over there reading it being like, well, now I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I get, yeah. So that's how you end up doing both, I guess. But it, yeah, it was literally like 
we started out with more stuff and there's always like something that gets discarded but uh but it, there wasn't much you know I and mean, it was a hefty i kept calling it a hefty set so um i imagine these next two questions you may not be able to answer if you know one were okay. the sets recorded i don't know i don't know okay and do you think there's going to be any more hopefully because i know danny's yeah, whole thing so. at least on the record was that like hearing loss made him not want to do as much rock stuff and those were big rock shows so you know if it was that's it that sucks but i understand it i mean i do have to say i don't know but i have to say that like i mean the reaction of the audience at those shows was so so incredible and i know how genuinely like how how much that meant to him and so i think that's as like that's as much hope for for any more of this as anyone any one of us can have because I, I i know that it meant a lot a lot to him so i think that part is probably a big one cool uh the next thing on your calendar that i saw anyway was the satriani g4 experience where yeah which is really cool like i also grew up watching those g3 videos with by mm. Satriani and the third person. So how is doing this mm -hmm. camp thing or how are you prepping for it? So you're not like uh, covering similar stuff as John five in a workshop or something. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know yet. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, uh, it's definitely like it's coming up on that on my time to start prepping for this thing. Um, but I haven't, you know, I know that like every one of those camps is run like a little bit differently. And so I'm kind of waiting on the finer details of like how we're doing the workshops and, you know, et cetera. But I have some like general ideas of things that I would want to teach or things that I think are, are kind of like my strengths when it comes to teaching concepts or whatever. And so I'm kind of thinking about how do I tailor that to to all levels so that every workshop is kind of like everybody could get something out of it you know what i mean um and and then like a lot of it is probably like preparing for the for the jams with this very intimidating crew so you know so i got my work cut out for me for sure uh and then spectrum was 2019 can fans expect more solo stuff from you soon or is, has all this other elf band and cirque stuff taking our time <laughs> it, it it is taking my time but yes they can and um i'm sitting on several demos that i've been like trying to release forever and so i'm really really hoping that you'll get one or two by the end of the year and if not then like very very early next year um but again they're like they're part of a full album that god knows how long that'll take but it, these days i'm much more in the realm of like i really want to get out the music as soon as i can to people and i haven't really done that since my last single in in 2020 and so i uh again it's another it's another um assignment for the end of the year because i keep saying that but i really do want to get it out there and we've been playing some of that stuff live too with my with my band and i like keep telling the audience so like this is not released yet but it will be you know <laughs> so yeah inviting them to put their phones down that way early demos aren't out there or something I mind that less, but, uh, you know, because, oh, good, there's a recorded version out there. No, um, it, no, 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 it, I, that doesn't really bother me as, as much. Um, but luckily, like, it, it's music that I actually, like, feel pretty strongly about. And so that's the, the point, like, that's the reason I want to get it out there, because I'm like, oh, we, we like this. We've been enjoying this. I 
want it out there. I'm not trying to like keep it from everybody. So uh, as we wind down, I, I touched on the Cirque thing, but I know very mm. little about that. All I know mm. is that you play in a very golden outfit, and at some point your guitar, <laughs> yeah. your guitar shoots sparks during the solo for yep. Beat. Yep. So That's pretty if, much all you need to know. Sick. So if uh, you're ever in Vegas <laughs> and you can find out what I'm talking about, yeah, definitely check yeah. it. I want to. Like, it seems really cool. It's like a Michael Jackson. Yeah, you show. should. Yeah. So, so Cirque um, has, I think, like seven or eight resident shows in Vegas, aside from their touring shows. And they have like a Michael Jackson show and a Beatles show here in town. And they're both like very popular Cirque shows and they're, they're, they're different from each other, obviously, but they're both very cool. And so the, the MJ show, it, we don't have a band, but there's two musicians in, in the show that are characters and they're live. And, and so the guitarist is one of them. The other is a, is a female vocalist. That's kind of like doing duets with, with Michael. And she's on this like, crescent moon that flies above the audience and so she's like the the moon goddess and i'm the the sun goddess whatever that my character is called the muse and obviously it's based on jennifer and everything i mean you know they're not gonna say that but how obvious is that right so <laughs> um and so yeah so playing the beaded solo is obviously like a very iconic part of that show and and that's why uh i shoot fire in the middle of that <laughs> moment um and then you know i i'm a character in the show i play a bunch of you know the other acts and i interact with the characters and and it's something that i used to do full time from 2017 to 2019 and that show and at most shows here in town uh it's 10 shows a week and so that was like a very very brutal uh thing to to keep up and it definitely had like an expiration date for me and just on a on like a physical level i mean i i didn't even really mind playing the same thing every night as much as some people do like i i loved it but obviously it didn't leave a lot of room for anything else at that point and so i never thought that it could work out for me the way it has now where i'm just like part-time and i come in every once in a while and i help the the shirin who's the the poor brave girl who is doing 10 shows a week forever you know and and like i tried and help her out a little bit and so um it's been amazing for me because like you know, I, I live in Vegas. It's that was my community, and I I didn't really want to leave it, but I love doing other stuff, and so I to be able to like get to do everything is kind of like I again I'm like, is this legal? How how can they let me do this? You know, so I'm very happy. I'm trying to like just keep this stuff going for as long as I can. Honestly, wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. It is an honor to talk to thank you. you I, I look forward to everything, you know, coming out, whatever that may be. Um, thank and, you, man. Uh, I really appreciate you. Thanks for, all... for like being so accommodating. I, I'm sorry about the oh, all good. scheduling stuff. All good. And, you know, I, I could have easily just spent another 20 minutes talking about just the two minutes of late night stuff because that's also really cool. So, uh, you know, congrats on all your success. We can do a part two sometime if you Fantastic. want. Fantastic. When uh, yeah. you've got more you. of your, your solo stuff out, I'd love to have you back on, you know, focus more about that. Let's do it. Fantastic. Let's do it. So, all right. Awesome. Well, Thanks, I'll free man. you to your next, your next you thing. Soon. So, ta-ta. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Have a good Bye. day.
some of Neely's solo song, Estranged. You can find her whole CV, links, videos, and all that good stuff over at neelybrush.com. That is N-I-L-I-B-R-O-S-C-H.com. Then I would like to invite you to head over to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There you can find links to talk to me if you want to. Have anything you want to say? Do it. I dare you. You can also find a store link, links to friends stuff, past episodes, and a lot more. Then as always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.